0: Welcome to the Denver Gazette Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Schmeticke. And today we are brought to you by Applewood Plumbing, Heating and Electric. They have been serving Denver residents for 50 years. They are the proud sponsor of the Colorado Avalanche, and they are the proud sponsor of this podcast. And on this edition, I'm talking with Tyler King about college football weekend. And I'm gonna, gonna dabble in some hoops too. So uh, Tyler, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Chris. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Um it's been pretty crazy. Um, you know. We're kind of, it's crazy to think we're winding down the college football season a little bit. And then college hoops starts Monday. So it's a pretty busy time for you and everybody. So I'm going to start with the buffs uh, because, you know, they're what, what people want to hear. Um, last week, they lose 28 to 16 at UCLA, a game that I can't decide if it was that close or not that close. It's very hard to de- decide, but a lot, a, a game where Shador Sanders just got beat down uh the offensive line did not play well
1: you were out there in LA what did you see last Saturday I I think I'm gonna lean towards a game that was never really as close as it seemed just because of um CU's inability to score the ball and just like my general feeling every time they had the ball I wasn't like expecting much of anything um like you said Shador was sacked seven times he you know, remains the most sacked quarterback in the country at this point. And I think he's on pace to set to be the most sacked quarterback, like in a single season and like college football history. I saw that stat, you know, earlier today. I mean, um, they still can't run the ball at all. I mean, they're not really even trying to, Um, I mean, Shador had 13 carries for 20 yards. Some of that is sacks. And that was like 13 of the 24, you know, rushes that the, that the Buffs technically had. I mean, he threw the ball 43 times for only 217 yards, one touchdown late in the game Um, after the game was kind of already decided. I mean, the streak continues. They've had a touchdown in every game this season. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was 7-6 at halftime, and they had three points off four turnovers forced, for, forced by the defense. So I think that kind of told you everything you needed to know about what was going on last Saturday. I mean, Travis Hunter has two pretty impressive interceptions and, you know, Shiloh Sanders has a fumble and then gets ejected for targeting. I mean, it was kind of like a, an up and down night where there were some positives, but I mean, they're just not really on the level of a team like UCLA who's in its sixth season again under Chip Kelly. And it just kind of showed, I mean, that's just how it is for first year coaches. You're not usually as good as you would like to be at, at certain spots.
0: So, you know, I, I felt early on they could have been up like fourteen nothing. Yeah, I mean, with those turnover, that that good first good first drive, and then they get the turnover, and you know, instead it was six nothing, and, and that just wasn't going to be enough. But we can talk about the Pac-12 schedule in a little bit, but that UCLA defense is mean and nasty.
1: Yeah, they're really good, and and you know, I mean, it was just kind of su- surprising – not surprising, but just like kind of jarring to see, like every third down. UCLA has got like five or six guys lined up at the line of scrimmage. None of them have their hand in the dirt. They're all like standing, ready to just run by the Colorado offensive line. And and it felt like every third down, Shador had just had no chance. He had no chance. He had like a half second to get rid of the ball. And UCLA has got a couple pretty good corners. And um, that was all they were just getting. I mean, the quarterback hits that they had. It seemed, it felt like it was like every third down play they were getting to Shador, and um, you know, Coach Prime said after the game that you know Shador needed to get an injection uh, of some pain meds at halftime to kind of get through that game. So, just kind of shows how the how physical that UCLA defense is and kind of the challenges they bring. But I mean, we'll get into this week's game against Oregon State, but. Um, You know, a similar similar matchup in terms of the style of play you're going to be facing on both sides of the ball, and just the general physicality that should be that will likely be overpowering for the Buffs. Well, I remember, I think when it was like.
0: Know, the bus only down one score, and they hit that long pass to Weaver. Finally, and yeah. they were in the red zone. And then I swear he just he got like sacked, pressure, pressure. And it, it was like three
1: plays in a row. Yeah, yeah.
0: And I was like, you know. And then Coach Prime says after the game, well, we're just going to have to get some new linemen. Which I'm sure was a instant reaction, but he probably means it.
1: Yeah, he definitely does. Like, I mean, you you can listen to what he says after games, and that is kind of really how he feels. Um, a lot of times in his Tuesday oppressors with us, he's a little bit, um, more muted, uh, just generally has a, has a different tone after kind of having a couple of days to let things sit, um, and calm down a little bit, but that kind of immediate reaction with us after the game was, um, was kind of, I genuinely feel that's how he feels. Um, you know, they've got, they picked up a Juco offensive tackle earlier this week. Um, and they've got a five-star offensive lineman, uh, 2024 kid um, that's going to be in town this week. So they're definitely going to be pushing hard. Offensive linemen typically aren't um, – the ones that are in the transfer portal typically aren't the best because usually they're they're leaving a situation where they weren't getting a lot of playing time. Um, but if there are any, you know, guys with a lot of starts under their belt, that kind of seems to be the general barometer for offensive line success in college football is starts. It's okay. just getting a bunch of guys – that have started a lot of games. Um, you look at Florida state, that's kind of what they've done with, with their team. They brought in Casey Roddick who had plenty of starts for the buffs over the last couple of years. And he's been a really solid guy for them. Um, so they they're going to do their best this offseason to kind of get whatever offensive lineman they can, because it, it, other than Van Wells, I don't, the center, I don't really know if there's going to be anybody on that starting five this week, that'll be back or at least starting next season. There's going to be a lot of new faces in that room, and maybe a new coach. Who knows? We'll see what that what comes with that.
0: Well, it, we had talked after that game kind of through email with with Sports Editor Paul Klee about the guys who left, What they're, they're not starting anywhere either except
1: for Casey no. Roddick. Yeah, it's just Casey Roddick. I mean, Jake Wiley, who's a Centennial uh, native um, that started at right tackle last season for the Buffs. He's a backup at right guard for UCLA right now, but, I mean, the rest of the guys – um, really aren't playing anywhere. I mean, two of the starters from last year's team are still on the team in, in Wells and um, Jared Christian Lichtenhan, who seems like he got benched last week. It seems um, like he's not playing, yeah. yeah. But he came in a little bit for some in- – it was like there was so much rotating and shuffling in and out, but like all the veteran guys they brought in from the offseason really haven't worked out, like Jack Wiltie, um, Jack Bailey from Kent State, Landon Beebe. Those guys really all haven't played that well. Savion Washington, the right tackle – has been okay. They got him back from injury last week, but there were times where UCLA's star defensive end um, Liatu Latu would just kind of run right by him. I mean, that's a tough matchup for any tackle in the country. Yeah. Latu's that good, but um, even uh, even Savion Washington was struggling last week. So I have imagined there's going to be a lot of new faces next season on the offensive line because they're going to try. They want to make a real run next year at, at in the expanded playoff um in a big 12 that they should have a shot to be competitive in they want to make a real run and they need to get better on the offensive line right away if they want to do that so what's what's fast
0: forward to Oregon state who's a nice late start coach prime's favorite and our favorite as well 8 p.m. which means oh, eight god eight what 40 8:20 8:20 kickoff is, like, is, is yeah. there a game before is there like a match probably
1: there's probably an espn game beforehand so <laughs> it'll probably be 8:20 and the game will be over Right around midnight again. Yeah, sugar. yeah. But
0: uh, Oregon State, you know, like you talked about, another real physical team, uh, probably going to beat the Buffs up a little bit. Yeah, and, and they kept talking about this on the broadcast. Herb Street kept bringing this up, that they didn't keep anybody in to help. Like, that's just not their style. They like to spread them out. But when it was four on five, UCLA was getting the door stand. When it was three on five, you know, I mean, I feel like Oregon State's going to be like, oh, We can we can get to this guy without a problem.
1: Yeah, and anytime they brought more than four, if they brought five or six, it it sure just had no time. And there were there there were going back and watching the tape. I mean, there were plenty of plays where Michael Harrison was in there, but I I you know what? I'll give Michael Harrison a lot of credit for what he's done as a walk on this year. Walk on, yeah. But he's not a pass protector. He's just not. I mean, he just had no shot. There was. I mean, it was kind of weird kind of watching warmups. There was only two tight ends that traveled to the game. I'm not sure what was up there. It was just Harrison and um, Brady Kopetz. uh Caleb Fourier and Eli Yelverton, the other two tight ends that have played this year, both didn't travel. So not sure what was up there, but Harrison, even when they did try to keep him in there as an extra blocker, didn't do much. And um, those plays really stuck out to me. So yeah, this Oregon State defense is very physical. I don't think they pose the same pass the pass rushing threat that UCLA does with kind of their speed guys. But um, it's going to be another tough week trying to run the football, even if CU does want to. Um, so, but I think the the physicality is going to show up more on the other side of the ball, where I think Oregon State going to be really really going to be able to control this game with their with their uh, the rushing attack because they've got a couple guys that are really dynamic on on that offense. Well, I was going to just say my next thing was that,
0: I mean, Damian Martinez averages almost six and a half yards a carry. Yeah. And it's probably –
1: is he the best running back in the Pac-12? He's got to be up there. Yeah, it's probably him or Jaden Ott from Cal. Ott, I think, is the leading rusher in the Pac-12. But I I would take Martinez. I think um, they're both sophomores, both really, really good players. So uh, so CU doesn't have to play Cal this year, but they've got to go against Martinez, who's going to be a very, very – Tough matchup. I think he ran for, I forget what the exact total was, but he ran for a lot of yards against them last year in Corvallis. Yeah. Yeah. As a freshman. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then they have the former
0: uh, Clemson quarterback. I'm not going to try to say his name, but DJ Uy Ugly. Yeah. I mean, they're just a good, solid team. They're coached well. You know, they're right in that. They're not Washington, Oregon, but they're right below them, probably. So, I mean, the Buffs are 14 point dogs at home. I, I just think that. There's probably just a little bit too much there on that Oregon State team for them, for the bus. Yeah,
1: it's another team, kind of like last week, where Chip Kelly's in his sixth year at UCLA. John Smith, you know, a legend at, for the Beavers as a player, is in his sixth year as the head coach there. He's done a really good job establishing the culture and getting the guys they want in there. Um, Like we talked about, they're, they're really big up front on both sides of the ball. And, uh yeah, getting Valley to play quarterback there, this year has been a big boost he's you know still kind of that same inconsistent passer that we saw at clemson but um this is a run first team anyway and his his ability as a dual threat guy just kind of adds to that offense that i think is just going to give cu plenty of troubles this week so in the pac-12 um the
0: washington usc game has kind of lost its luster with usc yeah. twice um but that's probably the best game of the weekend in the pac-12 ucla arizona arizona just fascinates me they're, they're mm-hmm. fun to watch um i don't yeah. think that's a guaranteed win for the buffs. Like people thought anymore. We've kind of talked about that, but I mean, you know, Washington, I mean, Oregon's got Cal at home, so they're probably, they're 25 point favorites. So I think they're going to be okay. So, I mean, but we did watch Washington stumble against the Stanford team that came back on CU.
1: Yeah. Washington stumbled against Arizona state at home the week before as well. So Washington kind of since the Oregon game hasn't um, been operating at its same capacity, but I mean, against this USC defense, is this the best matchup they've had recently? I mean, this <laughs> USC defense is really bad. I mean, this could be the perfect game for uh, Penix and that, that that high-flying Husky offense to get back on track this week. Um, but yeah, the other game definitely is the UCLA game against Arizona in Tucson. Um, things that just like really turned around for the Wildcats, since they put um, the freshman quarterback in Noah Fafita, I think is how you uh, yeah. say his name. He replaced Jaden Delora earlier this year, and he just kind of hasn't looked back. Um, they they've, they gave USC all they could handle um, at the at the Coliseum a couple weeks ago, and then now have beaten Washington State handedly, and then beat Oregon State this past weekend. Um, in granted, it was in Tucson, but that kind of ended Oregon State's hopes of. Either reaching the Pac 12 title game or maybe even being a long shot um, playoff contender. But um, they're, I think they might be able to play spoiler this week against UCLA as well. Um, and I think they're going to come into the Folsom the following week and they could be double digit favorites against yeah. um, this Buffs team if they continue to play offense, play like they have on offense. So let's flip over to Mountain West. Uh, you know, last week
0: Air Force and CSU played Air Force. That game was close for a while, but Air Force yeah. pulled away 30 to 13. Uh, so they're still, Air Force still ranked. But this week is the border war for the Rams and uh, Cowboys of Wyoming. Uh, but, but first of all, uh, what did you see last week in that
1: snowball game? Yeah, it was going on at the same time as the UCLA game. So I was, you know, I'm sitting there in Pasadena, yeah. very, very much not envying everyone who was at that game in Fort Collins. <laughs> uh, very different weather wise. But um, yeah, I was kind of impressed early on with CSU. They, you know, had that big touchdown pass from Fowler Nicolosi. Um, to justice Ross Simmons to, to tie it up at seven and they early in the game especially in the first half they did a really good job of getting air force off the field getting them in those like third and long situations where air force kind of has to throw the ball and obviously that's not what they want to do um, but it was just the second half they kind of got worn down um, you know with the way that Jay Norvell likes to recruit they have 20 new guys every year and most of them haven't played in the snow before so that's always a, a challenge but uh, an unsurprising result, I would say. I, I kind of maybe ex- would have expected CSU to do a little bit more offensively, but this Air Force team is really good. And uh, even though it's only the first rankings of the the college football playoff this week, they're at 25. I think they should be higher. I think they're a little bit um, underrated nationally, and I think they should be able to pick up a pretty convincing win over Army at, at Mile High this week, which will be a really fun environment. Another game that I'll be at this weekend. So. Uh, Yeah, a lot to look forward to this weekend in the Mountain West. Yeah, real quick, Tyler will be at every game this weekend.
0: He will be at Border (laughs) War tomorrow night. He will be at Air Force Army during the day and then in Boulder at 8. So um, his coverage will be everywhere on this college football weekend. I I was going to talk about the CFP in a little bit, but let's talk about it now a little bit about how Tulane is ranked ahead of Air Force right now. Yeah, I mean, Air Force is going to have to win out to get that New Year's Six game probably.
1: Yeah, it seems that way right now. I mean, I was kind of surprised. I mean, Tulane is, is a good team, but I, I don't know. I just, maybe it's just because I get to watch air force. I try to watch air force every week and they are undefeated Tulane's seven and one, but their one loss has a good old miss team. Um, they play at East Carolina this week. They should win that game. Um, I don't know if they're going to slip up this year and maybe that's just, if they are a one loss champion um in the american conference maybe that's enough to get them that that final or that spot for the group of five teams in in the new year six like they did last year they played usc in the cotton bowl but i would have really liked to see air force been ahead of them at this point maybe if air force i think it's a schedule a strength of schedule thing at this point i think the committee was sending a pretty clear message with their valuing quality wins as well as kind of the eye test and um right now what the most impressive win is probably Wyoming for Air Force um if they're able to maybe roll against Army, Hawaii, UNLV, and then Boise at the year maybe that'll get them ahead of Tulane but you know we'll have to see what the committee sometimes the committee changes its minds it's, it's mind week to week so it could all change next week. Air Force doesn't play Fresno though right? No but they, they end the year with UNLV at home and then at Boise so um, Boise had a pretty impressive win yeah. over uh, Wyoming last week, so um, that win could look pretty good if they're able to handle business in Boise. All
0: right, let's talk a little border war. Uh, what do you expect from that big rivalry game? Is you know every year?
1: Uh, what's the weather gonna be like in Laramie? Have you looked? Uh, I think it's like in the 40s, so not not terrible, oh, okay. but it's gonna be pretty gonna be pretty chilly, but not not too bad. It's a 6 p.m. start, so not too late, um, which I always appreciate with these ridiculous. <laughs> 8 p.m. starts that I've had all year with the Buffs, but um, yeah, it should be a good game. I think um, Wyoming is the favorite and should be the favorite with how they've performed for most, most of the season. But you know, they, like I said, they struggled last week, losing pretty big at Boise. Um, you know, 32 to seven, they just really couldn't stop Boise State and they couldn't get going on offense. Um, so maybe CSU's got a chance to to control things offensively um but you know Wyoming does have a pretty solid defense they get creative pretty with their third down stuff but i've been impressed with the rams offensive line all season um i think they allowed the most sacks in the country last season and they've made a tremendous improvement in that regard uh this season they they've had all five guys stay healthy play every snap um and that's really benefited them that's something i'll be writing about for my preview story for uh the game in tomorrow's denver gazette but um you know it's always an emotional game it's always pretty close even last year with how bad csu was it was 14 13 wyoming so yeah. um it, it's gonna it should be a close game and you know maybe csu is able to get over the hump uh this week and move within two wins of bowl eligibility because they will have a chance in these last four games to get there we'll do predictions in a little bit but let's talk national um some pretty good games on the schedule
0: this week uh georgia missouri uh bedlam oklahoma oklahoma state for the last yeah. time right for a yep, while the last time i don't yeah. i don't think um, there's any
1: on the schedule going forward yeah and then what was the other one i saw oh lsu texas, kansas alabama. state and what's the other one texas and kansas state Texas and kansas, kansas
0: State. so it's a pretty good pretty good schedule this week
1: yeah definitely yeah the alabama lsu is always such a it's always such a big game obviously we saw lsu um win at home last season against alabama that was a big win for them Um, But yeah, I think Bedlam should be the game everyone nationally is paying attention to. It's that 3.30 ABC Eastern slot. Oklahoma is a six point favorite on the road, but they're coming off a loss, you know, uh, against Kansas last week. That was an impressive win uh, for the Jayhawks. Oklahoma, you know, barely beat UCF the week before, and and they finally stumbled for the first time this season. So um, Oklahoma State's also, you know, cracked the rankings in, in the first playoff rankings at 22. So, should be a pretty good game there uh, for sure. And uh, I, you know, I expect Georgia to handle business against Missouri, even though they've been um, one of the maybe more surprising and fun teams in college football this year. Um, obviously they almost beat Georgia last year um, in Columbia, but this game in Athens this year should be, this could be the first week we really start to see uh, Georgia prove itself against a play, a team, a really good team. Cause they have had a pretty weak schedule so far. They had the one scare against Auburn, but have handled business so far and and, uh, maybe this week's game is enough to have them jump Ohio State because I think there were a lot of people that were a little bit surprised to see Ohio State at one in the initial rankings but I mean I kind of wasn't with the Notre Dame and Penn State wins but uh, um, should be should be a big week for for Georgia. I was going to ask you I have to feel that Ohio State's
0: won because of those wins and Georgia really hasn't played anybody yet.
1: Yeah same with Michigan obviously Michigan is the team that um, everyone a lot of people nationally think is the, is the best team, but you know they just really haven't played anybody at this point and it's hard to it's hard to judge them at this point. They have their big games coming up against Penn State um, Penn State and Ohio State later in the year. They play purdue this week. They're 32 and a half point favorites. I mean they they I mean they've just they've just rolled everybody and maybe they know the signs maybe they don't who, who knows what's going to come with that in the, in the coming weeks but I don't, what has their even toughest game been? Like they, they have their I don't wins. Know. Like like they played East Carolina, UNLV, who's looks pretty good, who's had a pretty good year, and Bowling Green as their three non conference games all at home. Like those are all kind of uh, joke games. And then you know they played Rutgers, Nebraska, Minnesota, Indiana, and Michigan State, like five of the worst teams in the Big Ten so far. Um, and they have Purdue this week, but next next week they have at Penn State. So that's that's the really big week for Michigan, because I think there are a lot of people that do think they are the number one team in the country. But it's hard to kind of say that at this point with the, with who they've played and who other teams have played and beaten like Ohio State.
0: And they rank them
1: one with all this stuff going on. How are people feeling about that? <laughs> uh, well, i don't I don't know. I think Michigan at three, Ohio State at one right now is pretty fair at this point. Yeah. like I said, with, the, Pence, the dominant win over Penn State for Ohio State and the comeback win at Notre Dame yeah. um, is, are just probably the two best collective wins anyone's had in the country this year. Um, Florida State's win over LSU is impressive from week one. You know, Texas on the road against Alabama. But the collective of those two wins for Ohio State is probably enough in the first week. And the and it's like it always changes by the end of the, yeah. the season anyway. I mean, I was listening to a podcast yesterday where somebody else was saying, like, Remember the very first ever college football playoff rankings who was number one Mississippi state. Like that's how much I, re- I remember that. Yeah. Wasn't that when Dak Prescott was there? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, yeah, it was like 2014. Um, they were the num- they were undefeated and the number one team, but they obviously didn't make the playoff and had like two or three losses in the last couple weeks of the season. So a lot's going to change, but um, I think a-, a lot of this will get sorted out itself with kind of the teams that still have to play each other, like the Ohio States, Michigan's, Penn State's, We could see a rematch with between Washington and Oregon um, in a Pac-12 title game. We'll see if Florida State can go undefeated. Uh, we could get a Texas-Oklahoma rematch in the Big 12 and obviously Georgia could roll to another SEC title. So a lot of this stuff will get worked out as the season goes along. I mean, what's Florida State's hardest game? They probably really don't have um louisville i i think they play next week um so that i think noted not Dame, excuse me north carolina was going to be the tough game for them um but they've really struggled you know they've really kind of struggled and that was going to be that acc title game matchup people were looking forward to but now it looks like it could be louisville at that point of the year i don't think they'll have trouble at Pitt this week I don't think they'll struggle against Miami or at Florida in that in that big rivalry at the end of the year so um if Florida State is able to go undefeated and win the ACC that'll probably that'll definitely be enough to get them in let's have Northern Arizona in there but whatever yeah oh. what weird games
0: <laughs> yeah all right let's uh let's go predictions
1: what do you got for CU Oregon State um I'm gonna go Oregon State in kind of a lower scoring game but I'm gonna go 24-13 Oregon State I think is able to kind of keep it close a little bit in kind of that fake close game that we saw like last week um, where they just kind of struggled to to finish drives off or maybe they get cl- They are not able to quite get in a field goal range and they have the punt or whatever. Um, I think Oregon state will be very content to kind of just run the clock out all, all game long and just kind of control with these long drives that were typical of seeing from teams like air force. But I think Oregon state will be um, int- interested in doing something like that just to kind of, Get a, get a win that they should over a team they should beat in CU.
0: Yeah, I was going to go 28-17 Oregon State. Like you said, I think it won't be very exciting. I think it'll just kind yeah. of be – Does Shiloh miss the first half, or does
1: he get to come No, be, No, he clarified that earlier this week because it was at the end of the first half, so he had to sit out the entire second half. Okay. He's good to go. For some reason, I thought that still didn't matter, but apparently he's good to go for the start of the game. They do miss him when he's off. I mean, they missed yeah. him early in the season when he was hurt, too. Yeah. It's the communication aspect. I think the most, it just kind of, you saw on that very first drive of the, of the second half um, UCLA needed two plays to score a touchdown um, out of halftime after CU had done a great job defensively all in the first half. And then, you know, as soon as Shiloh comes out of it, has to come out of the game um, and they're playing without him, They give up two massive big chunk plays and the touchdown right away. So it was definitely on full display. Shiloh was playing really well that, that game. I, I never realized this, I guess, but he still got to hang out on the sideline. I didn't know that was allowed. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you don't really have to. I don't think you have to go in the locker room anymore. Oh, and just okay. Sit there and total your throne. So, okay. Although maybe that would have been helpful in preventing some theft in the locker yeah. room if he had. Yeah, to yeah. I there. didn't so, want to
0: get too much into that, but that's another. Sad that's all I'll say sad. on that. Yeah, yeah. That's
1: it's it's disappointing. That's all I'll say about that. But it, uh, um, yeah, maybe maybe that would have been a pre- preventative measure if he had, did have to go sit in the locker oh, room. Shot. I was just sitting in there. Okay, what about the border war? What do you got? Um, I, I'm, I would love to pick the Rams. I really think this could be that kind of breakout game for them um, and just kind of the win they really need. Obviously, the Boise State, I'm hesitant to call it that kind of breakout game just because of how weird. Um, and th- things like that, You know, scoring three touchdowns in four minutes just doesn't happen. Now obviously, with the Hail Mary, it wasn't like a real – they beat them. They just kind of – it was a fluky thing. Not like a fluke, but it was just like an end of the game snowball effect, kind of Everything thing. Everything had to go right for them to yeah. win. Yeah. Yeah. And after they they were outplayed for three and a half quarters, uh, essentially. Um, but I still, I'm just going to go with Wyoming. And I think it's going to be a close game. I'm going to go 17 um, 16 Wyoming. I think it's going to be another one point game, maybe a heartbreaker for CSU. Maybe it's a game winning field goal for the Cowboys. But um, yeah, that's just what I'm going to go with at this point. I, but until I see CSU, Beat Wyoming. I'm going to continue to pick the Cowboys.
0: Yeah, I was going to go Wyoming too. They're up there at home. I was going to go 1914. Just, just something slug. An ugly score. Ugly. Yeah, I mean, I don't see. Yeah, I don't, I don't see much. And then I think we both will probably have Air Force over Army over in Denver this
1: week. Yeah, yeah. Army's coming off a big, big loss at LSU last week, um, and I think Air Force will be able to. It won't be as close as the Navy game was a couple of weeks ago. I think Air Force will be able to control that one and put that one away pretty early. And those are the games I think that hurt Air
0: Force in those CFP rankings. I mean, they have to play Army and yeah. Navy. And yeah. I mean, Navy has been had good teams, and so has Army, but Air Force is kind of the class there on the football field. For sure. All right. So let's flip gears, talk little hoops. Uh, you were previewing the college football, basketball, college basketball, excuse me, college basketball season. In tomorrow's Denver Gazette, you have stories on the CSU men and women, on the CU men and women. Um, I want to ask you about CSU a little bit because. We usually talk about the Buffs more because they have a lot of expectations. But
1: what kind of expectations do they have up in Fort Collins on the men's and the women's side? I think the men's side pretty high. I was up at practice yesterday um, just kind of, you know, observing and talking to some guys. They're a really, really athletic team. And I asked Nico Medved about that. Like, is this the most athletic team you've ever had in Fort Collins? And he said, I think so. Yeah, um, obviously they added Nick Clifford from, from CU uh, Javante Johnson, his best friend from the Springs, a New Mexico transfer. They got Joel Scott, another Pike's peak area guy who was the division two player of the year at black black Hill state last year. Um, they've really, really added a lot of talented guys on the wing. Um, and obviously they've got Isaiah Stevens coming back as the preseason mountain West player of the year. And one of the top point guards and players in all of college basketball. So you know, I think the Mountain West is going to be good again this year. Obviously, we saw last year with San Diego State getting to the title game against UConn, but um, there's a good chance I think that the Mountain West gets a couple teams, four or five teams in the tournament again. And I think CSU really could be one of them. I think they have that that athleticism and the length on the wing. I think they'll be really good defensively, um, and I think they've got plenty of pieces to play at a fast pace offensively. And even when things do slow down, they've got Isaiah Stevens um, and their big man Patrick Cartier is a really skilled uh, player in the post. So um, I'm pretty high on this CSU team. I think it's going to be a fascinating year. Um, they've got a, an interesting non-conference schedule. And then once it gets to Mountain West play, um, it's just about kind of finding that consistency that they did two years ago with the David Roddy-led team that was able to get them to a, a 60 in the tournament. Do they open Monday as with everybody else? Yep, yep. They open Monday. Who are they open with? Um, I for, I forget honestly. They they, they have a couple. Um, it's kind of a not a cupcake game, but yeah, yeah. It's it's one of the it's one of those. They have a Nico was telling me yesterday that um, the, the their early schedule they have some games against teams that are um, have some really good players like in their conference. Um, Louisiana but, Tech. Yeah, so they they but they do have um, they host CU I think at the end of the month. Um, they play Boston College and Kansas City, and what should be a fun uh, tournament there. And they could play Creighton the second day, which would be a fascinating yeah. matchup against a really good, a really good Creighton team. Uh, they got Washington as well, so uh, at, at, in the non-conference. So it should be a a fun season for this CSU team. With it's a very older, you know, veteran team, and that's those are the teams that have been really successful in March the last couple of years. So over uh, in Boulder, there's expectations on
0: both those teams, men and the women. Uh, the women are the only team ranked in the state. They open a the season against the defending champion, LSU, in Las Vegas, uh, nationally yeah. televised. Really, really exciting for JR Payne's squad. And then the men's team, you know, Tad Walls has got his you – oh, know, he's still pulling recruits for next year, too. I've, I've seen some of those guys, too. They have a really good
1: class coming in next year. Yeah, yeah.
0: so, I mean, th- this is – and it's not make or break for Tad, but I mean, you know, this is a year where they've got to perform.
1: Yeah. The thing I've been kind of telling people the last couple of months when they've been asking me about this season for CU Hoops, um, it, if they don't make the tournament this year, it'll be the first time I think in Tad's 14 years that there will be some real angst from the fan base. Yeah. I don't think there's ever going to be like any actual pressure from administration just because it's Tad and he's kind of, it's his dream job, and he's done so well um, relative to expectations that I think he's got this job for as long as he wants it. But from the fan base perspective, I think there's gonna be some real angst and concern if this, if not now, when, for yeah. making the tournament, because they have everything they need. Christian de Silva is one of the best returning players. In the country. They've got two really good guards in KJ Simpson and Julian Amon the third. They have a five-star freshman in Cody Williams. They've got a pretty solid big man in Eddie Lampkin. And they've got some other older wings um like Luke O'Brien and Javon Hadley that will contribute right away, or not contribute right away, but just be big time play play big time minutes for them. Um they have to make the tournament this year. I feel like they're picked to finish fourth in the PAC 12. And it's a pretty, it's a better PAC 12 than it has been in recent years. USC is going to be really good. Obviously Arizona, UCLA are good again, Um, but they should be a competitive team that should be in that like 20 to 35 range in terms of national standing. Um, They've got some tough games in the non-conference like a Florida state early in the year or UNLV. One of those two teams, they'll play at CSU. They'll play Miami who made the elite eight last year uh, in Brooklyn, uh, before you know getting to a tough Pac-12 schedule so yeah on both the men and women's side the expectation is the NCAA tournament and I think if you ask the coaches candidly I think the expectation is to advance past the first weekend of the NCAA tournament
0: mm-hmm. yeah and I think that's that you know that's Tad's next step like you know they they have never gotten out that out of that first weekend they yeah they, no they did they won that first game and then they I always think back to that year they made the unbelievable run in the Pac-12 and then they beat
1: they've won two tournament games in his tenure they've right, won right. Yeah. yeah yeah they've so, won a I game they've they never gotten
0: out of that first weekend this yeah this is the team to do it and you know they were in the pac-12 title game two years ago
1: yes when in they the COVID lost it here or they lost to who did they lose to oregon, oregon state. state it was like you know, yeah right. it was like they caught fire and that was the yeah. only way they were going to make the tournament was by winning the the conference tournament yes so i mean
0: i i could see them making that kind of a run again i mean I'm excited to watch Cody Williams. All I've seen is like the scrimmage stuff and stuff like that. So, and they, they played Metro state in an exhibition, um, but yeah, you know, it's exciting times because you know, it's football and basketball now and, and all basketball all starts Monday. So, uh, so Tyler uh, enjoy your, your, your uh, double dip on Saturday and start it out on Friday. You'll be, be a pretty busy guy this weekend. Make sure you read all of Tyler's stuff at denvergazette.com Um, right now. Some of that college basketball stuff is already up online if you want to check it out. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple and Spotify. And Tyler, we will catch up next week again.
1: All right, thanks, Chris. Thanks.
0: Thank you for listening to the Denver Gazette podcast. Make sure to visit denvergazette.com for all your local news on Broncos, Rockies, Avalanche, Nuggets, and much, much more. We'll talk to you next time.